Hello and welcome to the Saturday Night Top Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor Pira. Marler, I've got some sad news. And no, it is not college basketball is over. That is sad news, but that is not the sad news that I want to get to. What happened? Well, it is also not the fact that I had a raccoon sleeping on my welcome mat on Sunday that woke me up right when I opened the door. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, no, that's not sad news. That's just scary Florida man news. My sad news is that we are going back to one podcast a week. I know. Hold back your tears. Hold back your tears. We're going to be doing two once SEC Media Days kick up. I promise that. We're going to have a lot of stuff planned for the festivities at Hoover. Hoover hat. Um, we are going to be going back to one just because things are going to start to slow down, especially after this weekend where there, you know, there are a bunch of SEC spring games. And we're still going to be having a bunch of spring game coverage. We have a lot of spring football stuff to get to today. I know some of you have reached out and said, you guys haven't had enough football stuff lately. Hopefully you enjoyed the Office podcast. It was a lot of fun. It really that was. was. A blast. This is a football podcast, though, so that's all we're going to be talking about anymore. Sick to sports, right? Sick to sports. Have <laughs> um, fun. Not fun off-season topics like our favorite TV show yeah. ever again. But before we get to spring football, we're going to talk a little SEC basketball because there was big, big news this week. And this Rick Barnes story started off as something that when I first read the story on Sunday night that there was apparently interest between Rick Barnes and UCLA, I thought to myself, oh, he is just finagling to be able to get a race. And this is smart. This is agent stuff. This is behind-the-scenes stuff. And I don't think Rick Barnes is actually going to leave Knoxville for UCLA because it's not 1968 anymore. And UCLA, as far as I'm concerned, is not as relevant as people think it is. That's just my thought. Um, So we find out on Sunday night that there are these talks. Did you have those same thoughts, too? I mean, am I alone in that? No, you were alone in that. Oh, okay. (laughs) So, I, I mean... Only because you think about they've been to the Final Four within the past decade. They won a national championship. I know you didn't like 40 minutes of hell, but it came one year after Arkansas won theirs in 95 with Ty Sedney and the O'Bannon brothers. I'm a big Ty Sedney fan. Um, I I think it's still a, a, a pretty awesome job. And I'll explain later, but go into it. Wait, I thought I think their, their Final Four was 2007, wasn't it? Yeah, so 12 years either way. Yeah, 12 years. Um, was that, is that when it was with Collison? Is it that long ago? It was a while ago. I still think it's a relevant job only because it's... I'll I'll get into it, but yeah. You're on your own on this one, brother. (laughs) I'm on an island. That's okay. Um, So then we find out from these reports that start to surface that UCLA thinks it's a done deal. And Ben Bolch of the LA Times (laughs) confirms news that a fake account reported. And he quote tweets this and basically says, yes, I can also confirm that this news is legit. And everybody's like, dude, you just got... You just got fooled completely. You're an idiot. And so then he backs off and says, that account I retweeted was fake, but my source isn't. Congratulations. You're talking to real people. Sick bag. Yeah, that's awesome. Then he said, I've been told it looks like Rick Barnes is heading to UCLA, but it's not 100% confirmed yet. So basically, you're trying to walk back your comment. Who's your source, Ben Bolch? Uh, (laughs) She goes to a different school. I can't can't, can't bring it up right now. He gets dragged by Ball Twitter, of course. Yeah, understandably so. I mean, this guy's mentions rest in peace. He should yeah. just delete your account and not not to say like, okay, this happens to everybody. I get that, but once you get in that hornet's nest, you're never getting out. That's a fantastic way to describe it as a hornet's nest because it is where all good moods go to die, and that is Ball <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> so then, what happens after this is. Philip Fulmer steps in and ups the offer to Rick Barnes. Um, that apparently happens on 
you know, like Monday afternoon, I think was was the report. I can't remember when exactly that was, but then we find out on Monday night that Rick Barnes is indeed staying at Tennessee. And I want to kind of back up here because the initial thing that came out with Rick Barnes that threw me for a loop a little bit, or at least caught me off guard and made me think twice, was that Chris Lowe, who we respect very much, by the way, he's like a month overdue to have a story about Saban not yeah. feeling like he's on the edge of retirement yet. But Chris Lowe is, you know, doing the Lord's work and reporting on all these Tennessee basketball news. Right. And he reported that the thought of going to a basketball school was really enticing for Rick Barnes. And that's the part that kind of made me step back and go, oh, you know what, when you think about it, like the dude is, besides being at mid-majors, because it's a different story. He's been at Clemson, Texas, and Tennessee. You already I said what you said, that. Connor. You already said what you said. It's not a, also, true. I just want to let you know right now, guys, we're five minutes of this podcast. We've already got sirens. This is going <laughs> to be a good episode. Um, I'm fired up. No, so you're right. That is a good point. In the Texas thing and Tennessee, it's not just that those are not basketball schools. Those are massively, massively football overshadowing schools where that everything else comes second to football and which is it's kind of odd when you think about it because texas does have a lot of tradition in other sports like baseball um had in tennessee obviously women's basketball has been great well, i don't know they've got other things too i guess regardless they are definitely football schools the ucla job i said this last night on the facebook live i would have taken it in a heartbeat and there's a lot of reasons why is it time for this yet? Do you want me to tell you why? Yeah, go ahead. Sure. <laughs> yeah, so, so um, first off, L.A. I've never been in Knoxville, and I hate to say that. I'm, I'm hoping to go this fall. I have friends that, that live there and love it. I've heard nothing but great things. Same. Has nothing to do with Knoxville. It has everything to do with L.A. And when you move from a place like that to like Knoxville to L.A., I think that's quality of life is a little bit better. Just throwing that out there. Also... You're moving away from, we saw this last year with SEC football, when you bring in all these new coaches, and you have Jimbo Fisher going to A&M, and you have Mullen going to Florida. The SEC is in that same transition, in my opinion, in basketball. When you have guys like Musselman going to Arkansas, you have, I almost forgot his name. All-name team, by the way. All-name oh, team. for Muslim. real. He looks yeah, nothing Buzz- like that. He, he, <laughs> by the way, that picture with his shirt off, yeah. Nah. <laughs> A little different. I was different than uh, Brett Bielema. I have yeah. a lot of firewalls up on my my computer, so I wasn't able to see that one. <laughs> um, no, so it was, but like I feel like the SEC, and I, and I could be getting ahead of myself, and I could just be caught up in the moment right now. But I do think the SEC is in the middle, in the midst of a transition towards that with basketball. When you talk about NATO, it's going to Bama. Um, what's his Buzz name? Williams? Buzz Williams at A&M. on A and M. Shout out on that. Um, still excited about that. You said I was right about that. But no, oh, I yeah, do think were. going to UCLA, and it's not just that. It's And I've brought this up before, and I'm not trying to be a blank when it comes to competition. I will say, though, if you have the option to go to a place where there's not as much competition to get to your end goal, like the Pac-12, because they're not anywhere close what the SEC is in basketball right now. And that's a weird that's thing a to say. That's a fair point. Yeah. And you, you have a team like Oregon who goes on a run. They had a couple other teams, Arizona State, Arizona, that were pretty good fringe teams. Arizona State was a little bit better than Arizona. For most of the year, but there's so much less competition and so many so many less teams in your way to get to the NCAA, like NCAA tournament, and there's more talent out there. I know you don't That's care about recruiting rankings, but they're you know they're important. <laughs> That's true. the The conference is more there for the taking maybe than than the SEC is at this current juncture. Which, as you as you point out, that is a, a weird thought to think about. But I think this this 
perception gets thrown out there that UCLA is automatically this top five job. And I'm not saying that Rick Barnes doesn't care about quality of life or whatever, but you know, you're 30, you're 32 years old, right? And a half. Rick Barnes is twice your age. Exactly. Yeah. He's 64 years old. Quality of life to him as a 64 year old guy. Like he's he likes what he likes left, at that point. Dude. I mean, <laughs> no, yeah. I, I mean, I, like he likes what he likes. Yeah. I, he's not one of those guys that's looking to climb the ladder. He's been at a power five program for the last 25 Good years. Point. Like the, the guy knows kind of what he wants at this stage in his career. And if he feels like he can build it at Tennessee, then why do you need to move across the country and go to a place that yeah. really hasn't been consistently good in a while? I know they had Lonzo Ball and they had Ryan Leaf in that yeah. one year where they were supposed to be even better. But or not Ryan Leaf, TJ Leaf, yeah. <laughs> different Leaf. Um, yeah, Cut probably. It out, man. <laughs> sorry, wait. Too soon. That's a great all-time great soundbite. Yeah. Um, so there's there's all that that gets thrown out there, and then you hear that UCLA had offered this five million dollar contract and. And you're like, wow, is, is Tennessee really going to pony up? And then we don't know the official terms of right. what this deal is. We're led to believe that there's something in the neighborhood of that. When you break down the numbers, $5 million for a coach like Rick Barnes to go from potentially, you know, kind of being this cast off at Texas, this guy who's viewed as this State underachiever, goes. and all of a sudden you have a program that's got more national championships than anyone, and they're offering you a deal that there were only two coaches in the country that made more than $5 million last year. Calipari. Cal, Cal, and Coach K. That's it. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So when you kind of factor all that in, yeah, it, it's enticing. But the thing I keep coming back to is like UCLA is not what people think it is. It, just yeah. in terms of the, the the fan support thing, and I got into this a little bit on SEC this morning, talking with you know with, with Chris Doring and Peter Burns, and like Doring is is wondering how is Tennessee going to be? Is Tennessee really going to be able to to the fan interest? Is it really going to be there? Consider this. UCLA in 2018 averaged 8,619 fans. Uh, yeah, that's, a, that's horrible. That's a poor, poor argument to bring up. I love Doran, but that's not that's not a, the best argument to make. Tennessee, uh, what my, my point is that Tennessee averaged double the fans in right. 2018. Their first season that they were actually good. So that's, that's not this past season. That's the season before that. And so... You're led to, and this year they actually they were from December 22nd on. Tennessee had at least 19,000 yeah. fans. All but they almost once. Well, I remember a buddy of mine went up there to go to the the home game against Kentucky in a regular season basketball game, and there was the tickets were going for like 300 dollars a piece. People care. Yeah, people, people care. Care. I, and, so, but I will go ahead. Go ahead. So that that was just my my only point is this belief that oh, and UC, at UCLA like they have all the tools, they have all the resources, they have all the you know. If Phil if Philip Fulmer is stepping up and offering a five million dollar contract, there are all the resources right there to get to do what you want to do. He has recruited a lot better in the last year or so with yep. getting some of you know some of these blue chip recruits as well. And I just think that people kind of overrate this UCLA like historical factor. And I guess that's been a popular topic of conversation <laughs> as we've talked about like <laughs> discussing jobs. Right. Is that how much does a national title from forty years ago matter when you're trying to recruit a kid to play for your school today? I, I mean, ask Michigan fans. About yeah, that. I was gonna say. I mean, I, I don't know. I, like, I don't think the national title part of it really matters as much. I'm saying when you look at jobs, UCLA basketball, and you can say whatever you want to about the 40, 40 years ago of the championship. When you are looking at a job on paper and it says UCLA basketball and Tennessee basketball, which one sounds better to you? UCLA sounds better, obviously, because it's got it's got the historical. It's it does have the historical aspect, but I'm saying. That's that's if you're a 64 year old guy. You're not built on on being able to get right. support from a bunch of 64 year old people. You're trying to recruit. You're trying to get people in to buy your system, and yeah. that's and not always an easy thing to do. If you're 64, the last thing you want to do is go trying to 
restart and like you know Rick Barnes is a lot of things he's a great coach I don't think he's necessarily like the Saban thing where it's like I gotta have a project man I gotta have a project and build something from nothing like he did with Michigan State like he did LSU fans get mad all you want but what he did at LSU because they were nothing before he got there for the most part and and until like 40 years prior I'm pretty sure they actually had it anyway moving on like he's not one of those people that's gonna have like a project that he has to work on especially this late in the game that being said when I and I would like to say as far away from the ball family as possible, <laughs> that's just screw. I knew that was that gonna work its way in family. Like I, like I hate to say it, but like yes, keep me as far away from that family as possible. And LA traffic sucks. All those things. I'm just saying, if I'm trying to get to it, and you you think about how great this team was this year, it's mainly made of three stars. And we've discussed before about the recruiting rankings. There was there was a couple of five stars in the past recruiting cycle. They went to Vanderbilt for some reason. But when you go to UCLA, you know who you don't have to compete against every year? In your backyard, at least twice, probably three times a year? Kentucky. And I understand that Kentucky, and and Tennessee holds a 4-2 record against Kentucky over the past two seasons, and that's awesome. But you know what? If I'm trying to get to, and you talk about how close they came this year, and we're not going to get into the Purdue game because I'm just going to get mad, but (laughs) but when you talk about how great and how awesome that team was, and and it's it's cool that he's built it up. You don't want to leave something like that necessarily. And there's got to be like those those like kind of like sentimental ties where you don't want to leave what you've already like started building up there. But if I'm trying to get to a national title before I turn, I don't know, 65, 70, I'm going as far away from the University of Kentucky as possible. It's not going to see him in the NCAA tournament though. I mean, you don't know that. It's different. In, it's different in college basketball, though, where you don't. It's it's a different kind of hurdle where you're not talking about you know somebody in your division is not necessarily or somebody in your conference isn't going to be the reason that you don't make it to a national. Championship. Do you want to talk about seedings in the in the national tournament? Do you want to talk about the, <laughs> the teams that they're going to be playing out there? Because Colorado was one of the best, at least against the spread teams in the country this year from the Pac-12. They, I mean, the Pac-12 is bad in basketball. Arizona State is about to be it's really bad. good. Oregon is okay, but who else is your competition? Washington was good. Here's where I come in with this, and I don't know if I've ever said this on this podcast, oh, which God. is, a, it's, this is going to be a baffling thought. For those of you who don't know, I graduated from Indiana University. Yeah. It is in many, many ways very similar to UCLA in terms of the way that it that basketball is treated. And there are a lot of people around the program that still think it's 30 years ago. And it's just not. No. And it's really, really tough to tap into to to rebuild a program that doesn't is a shell of its former self and to get back to that place of nostalgia it's easy when you start winning but to sustain it is a totally different story and we've seen it at places like UCLA we've seen it at places like Indiana where you know Kentucky fans might take this for granted but unless you have that right coach in place which there are not very many of them it is really difficult to all of a sudden get that good again and you can play up the nostalgia thing all you want, but with college basketball, it's just a different story, and it's tough to get back to that type of play. So that's that's kind of where I come from with you know this this perspective of not necessarily buying that oh you know anybody could just kind of walk in there if you throw the amount of money at them that they need and it, they could just turn it around real quick. So that's that's just kind of what I wanted to close out with this Rick Barnes. Hold thing. on, we're not what? closing out yet. We got to talk about the food thing. Also, oh yeah, that's where, where I want to get to. From, yeah. Connor, I'm coming from two gold medals in the two and four man bobsled. That's a quote from Cool Runnings. I've had a lot of green tea today. So Tennessee restaurants, oh man, they sweetened the deal. They apparently offered Rick Barnes free food to stay. And what I'm curious about is, if you're Rick Barnes, okay, you stayed. Quality do you life. then just do you walk into those restaurants and basically be like, hey, you know, remember that tweet? 
first thing I'm doing if I'm Rick Barnes. <laughs> never paying for a meal again. That is not factored into my contract. I'm just going to stare at, at the whoever. I'm assuming every place in Knoxville has counter service. I'm just going to stare behind them and be like, yeah, I'm so, going to take it. And, and, like, and a lot of it, a lot of food. I'm not going to be a, like a jerk about it and like bring my friends in there and be like, hey, dude, hit me up with two pizzas. What I'm going to do is pretend like it's for me and my wife, and I'm going to have even more food to take home, buy groceries. Yeah, a little, little doggy bag to go, yeah. something The like real that, question you know? here is, what hashtag is best? I got into a good t- conversation about this with Adam Spencer earlier. Is it eat just means more? That's good. I like that. it just eats more or it just means gorge? It's got to be first or third. So it's the first or last one. Ooh. Yeah, the second one, not as great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Eat just means more, I think, is the one. Yeah, I think that's the winner. Okay. I think that's the winner. So there's your new um, hashtag for your entire entire basketball program, Tennessee. The big picture thing with SEC basketball now, and we've talked about this before, SEC basketball teams are spending football-like money on their head coaches. Get this, wild stat. If you want to include Will Wade in this, which uh, you can make the argument yes or no, or you could, just, you could say standing coaches in this, 11 of the 14 current SEC coaches, including Eric Musselman in Arkansas, have been to a Sweet 16. Two of the three that haven't, Nate Oates, Kermit Davis, were just in the NCAA tournament. The only one who, I guess, Jerry Stackhouse is the kind of the odd man out of that group. He's um, been there as a player, dude. I guess. He, I don't know. How far did that UNC team make? I don't remember. Yeah, he was on, like, that was the 95 or 96? I don't remember. 97? Something like that. Yeah, yeah it was Sheed back in the day. Yeah, um, Sheed. SEC basketball, spending that big-time money. This, another example, John Calipari, John Calipari gets a lifetime contract, and we're all of a sudden in a golden age of SEC basketball coaches. I love That's it, where we're at and right Kyra now. Kyra Lewis is coming back. You, y'all been warned. Also, we don't need to talk about it now because we've talked too much about basketball already, but can we just discuss real quick these already too early basketball rankings that have come out? Somehow, I did not see this coming. Will Wade might return, even though Nas Reed, uh, Mays, and Tremont Waters are all leaving. But we don't know officially about because you can enter your name now, and yeah. you can actually hire an agent for oh. the, for some of the protocol. That's the new wrinkle this year. Yeah. You can actually hire an agent to do certain things. I think it's like transportation, like a meal here and there. Uh, they have restrictions on that, and then you could pull out of the M- of the NBA draft pool. So it's kind of hard to really even project. Like Grant Williams declared it today, technically, but he could still theoretically come back. I take back, back what I said for Rick right. Barnes. I'm 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 punishing or I'm sorry, pressuring every single one of those eateries and restaurants into being like. <laughs> Free food for me and my friend Grant here. <laughs> Moving on. All right, this made some big weekend headlines. Nick Saban, the and the headline was Nick Saban is going after underclassmen for leaving. And rant. went on a rant. He did go on a little bit of a Saban rant. Depending, I'll, I'll read the quote and you can decide for yourself. So Saban this weekend at his latest media availability session said, now, we have guys that have no draft grades, seventh-round grades, free agent grades, fifth-round grades that are going out to the draft. And the person that loses in that is the player. If you're a third-round pick, and we had one last year, Ronnie Harrison, I'm not going to say any names, goes and starts for his team. So he's making third-round money, which is not that great. He'd be the first guy taken at his position this year, probably. And he'd make between 15 and $18 million more. So the agent makes out, the club makes out, and now they've got a guy that is going to play for that kind of money for three more years. I, as Saban often says. So that's the Saban quote. Ronnie Harrison finds out <laughs> that this is about him, obviously. He's the only Bama player picked in the third round last year, so obviously it's about him. 
Um, so Ronnie Harrison tweets, and I've never seen a player tweet like this about Saban, you a former don't know Saban Ronnie player. Harrison, then. Uh, so he tweets, coaches get so butthurt nowadays about a kid making a decision to live out his dreams and go pro. Makes me think, do you really care about the success of a kid or how well your program performs? Hashtag keep my name out your mouth. Hashtag Bama. That, that hashtag, hashtag Saban. Hashtag God got it. Then the plot thickens. The string of hashtags, though. Great hashtag. Great hashtag. He's sandwiching Saban and Bama in between keep my name ah. out your mouth and God got God. it. I love it. I love it. So then the lane train hops on, oh, and he tweets, if 60 juniors got second and third round grades, how would they all go in top 15 if they came back? Some come back and go in worse rounds than what their junior grades were. Love when kids leave and fulfill their dreams. What do you say if they get hurt and lose money? Hashtag facts. Hashtag Matt Barkley. That's, so That's my favorite up. part. So Wait, all of this he coach is Coach Matt Barkley. Yeah, so that's that. Well, that's what he's saying this because you know Barkley got injured his senior year, but I think he was no, he was the number one overall. Yeah, sophomore junior year, he was like consensus number one overall, overall. in mock drafts. If, and so here's the thing, I get it, and you could technically say they're all right. I if you're the consensus number one overall draft pick, you have nothing left to accomplish. Like. I don't and Saban's not talking about them. Yeah. He's not talking no, about them. No, I know, exactly. And so, like, this, the, I was starting with the Kiffin thing. The Kiffin thing, I totally get. Like, I, I mean, like, yeah, Matt Barkley, sure, fantastic example. But, like, that's different than third-round money and being, like, projected to go in the third round. You know what I mean? That's like Christian Hackenberg. Like, you know what, dude? Stay another year. You know what I mean? Like, it's you don't need to leave early right now. The, the thing with... Ronnie Harrison, and I, I don't know how much of this. Like, I, I remember the person that used to be in my place on this podcast. Um, he, the, good old John Chris. Good old John Chris. Out there. So, okay, I didn't, I, I didn't know the, the procedure on this. It's not Voldemort. Come on, I don't, what, I don't know. I don't know that reference, but okay. Um, yes, you do. I, okay. Anyway, so so he, I remember the, one of the first times I met him, and when he made fun of me because I had egg on my face, literally, I had food on my face, and he was talking about Ronnie Harrison. He said one of the first things he was like, "Ronnie Harrison has come from a different different breed. He's just a different kind of dude." And you can tell. Ronnie Harrison was one of my favorite players we had at Bama, but he was also one of those guys who was a lot like Reuben Foster, and there's no that's there's an obvious reason that they were like good friends. It's because he was also one of those guys that you were always worried about after making a hit. Was there going to be a 15-yard penalty associated with him? Yep. He was a little bit like DJ yep. Swearinger and Reuben Foster rolled into one. And I, a lot of you might that might be a turnoff. I love that. <laughs> I love that kind of that kind of player. But Ronnie Harrison was also a guy that I'm pretty sure used to carry around like a pack of cools in his in his like in his gear, like, in the locker room. Like, he is a different type of cat. He came from a different background. And when it's something like that, I again, I, you pointed this out earlier on Twitter, they're both right. Ronnie Harrison, you would have been, in my opinion, and he had he had grades I remember seeing last year where he would have been a first or second round pick. I was surprised he fell to three, and I thought it was a great opportunity because he was going to be going to a great secondary and a good defense, I thought, on paper from Jacksonville. Regardless, you would have made more money if you stayed. But you know what? And, like, I, I can kind of – I don't have the same upbringing as Ronnie Harrison at all, so I'm not saying that. But I did come from, like, not the most amount of money, and I didn't come from a great neighborhood. And, like, when you have situations like where, like, if your mom raised you by herself or a situation where you had, like, you've seen family members lost in, like, that way too soon and way too young, go get your money. I've said it a bazillion times. Go get your money. So I agree with him. But that's still plain as day to say he could have been – a first round pick this year. I was waiting for the part where you're going to say I could have been a first round pick. <laughs> no, absolutely not. But I'm just saying, like Ronnie Harrison, you, 
you tell me one player you've ever heard of that had a pack of cools in his in his backpack in the locker room. I don't know any, but regardless, he's a hell of an athlete. He's a hell of a football player. They're both right, but sometimes you got to do what's best for you. I agree, and uh, Chris Wright wrote a good piece on this on SDS, basically detailing why every side saying what they said makes total sense, right. and they should continue to say that. Yeah. Um, I think the a lot of people are going to attack Saban for this, <laughs> and s- because it's it's it comes off as Saban being the old guy, and Saban is just like sitting Here back, again. and he's Saban actually went on in the same in the same rant to say like, look, like I'm I'm pro, I'm 100% NFL, but like I'm looking at this from a business standpoint, and I'm looking at this as a way where every party theoretically is going to benefit and if a player can make more money by staying and if i if i am that confident in my ability to make sure that that player is going to get more money by staying another year in my system then why wouldn't they want to do that and so he is addressing this issue from a much more macro perspective and ronnie harrison was used as the example oddly enough even though ronnie harrison had pretty good years starting every game as a third round pick so there's a lot of people are gonna are gonna hop all over Saban, and Saban, in my opinion, is is really not wrong, but the the perspective really is more like, do you watch? Have you ever watched the show Deal or No Deal? Yeah, like way back in the day. So, That's which just so I think it just came back. How I met, yeah, How I Mandela just brought it back not too long ago. Saban is like the person who is sitting in the background or sitting from home watching Ronnie Harrison on TV. And Ronnie Harrison can look up there and see that number. And he's like, oh my gosh, I want to take that. I want to take the money. I want to take the deal. And Saban's like, nah, you should hold out for what's in the case. you got to trust the process, trust what's in the case. And it's easier for Saban to step back and not be in that situation and look and say, here, I I have seen all of these guys go through the system. I know what the numbers suggest. And if you just trust what I'm telling you, you can get this this more money. But at the same time, I'm never going to fault Ronnie Harrison for leaving for the NFL at and all. taking the money that's there when, you know, you're always one hit away from having a day job. But that's the saying that that keeps getting thrown around on Twitter Thanks. with with this story. But I mean that that's real. That's the reality in football, and especially yeah. in the way that Ronnie Harrison plays the game. Yeah. I mean, that, all the more reason. Oh, to and do so, that. and here's another thing though. And, and if you're Ronnie Harrison, and and this is a little bit deeper when we get into this. If you're Ronnie Harrison, you've been told what to do for most of your life, right? You wake up, you play football, you train, you work out, you do all these things. And for the most part, up until now, it is for the betterment and for the profit of someone else. Like, I mean, it's easy to look at Nick Saban and be like, hey, dude, like you're sitting in this like ivory tower of success and and like actually kind of like literally in Tuscaloosa of making over $11 million a year in total for your contract. And you're telling a kid who's how how old to wait back another year. And to be fair to Saban, you tell me a four-year starter on defense and amongst those defenses that he played on, you tell me where you think a four-year starter in the secondary would have gone when you had the people like HaHa Clinton Dix and Landon Collins that are safeties that came out before him from the same kind of cloth. Like that's, I agree with both sides of it, but you cannot, you can't fault Saban for pointing out what he, like, you know, he went and made his money. He had a good year, but yeah, he probably would have made. He probably would have been a first round pick. Saban is is basically taking the emotion out of it. That's what he's trying yeah. to say. Is that a lot of these guys are are making these decisions based on emotion, and he's looking. He's trying to look at it from a very yeah. practical standpoint. I I totally get that. It's it's interesting because this comes a year after we have a record number of underclassmen declare for the NFL for draft. how many years in a row. 
Yeah, it's 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 been a lot of years in a row. It was 106 last year, and only 69. Very nice. Nice. Of those guys were drafted last year, and this year, I think there's like 103 that declared I'm or something sure, like that. I'm pretty sure it was 135 that originally. I'm pretty sure declared. I, I could be wrong. I, I, you, the look you're giving me says I am, but but I'm no, I no, I'm, I I honestly don't know. But I mean, I, I'm pretty sure. In the last four years, and I I remember looking this up at one time, so if I'm wrong, please don't yell at your radio and get into a wreck if you're listening to this in your car. I'm pretty sure, though, besides one year in the past four years, the number has steadily increased. I want to say two years ago or something like that, that it was it was highest or something like that of all. But it, it has been a record number for like the last four years, that like, like higher than it's pre- like his previous year. And we could get into a lot of people are going to say, well, how come John Calipari says this and Saban is seems like he's so anti pro It's a different you're stupid. sport. It's a totally it's different, a different sport. sport. And I'm sorry um, for calling you stupid. I'm just mad. <laughs> sorry for calling you a pain in the ass, but it's just like <laughs> there has not been a whole lot of spice in spring football. And we we are in the content business. We like talking about this stuff. There have not been the dominant storylines, much like there were last year. And you you made a great point earlier before we came on. Part of that has to do with the fact that there's just not there's no new coaches in the SEC. And yeah, we can talk about new coordinators and stuff like that. We will a little bit with this, but you know, there's not this this overwhelming thing like the Tua storyline, the Tua and Jalen storyline last year. It's just a totally different scenario. You don't have somebody like Justin Fields coming into the conference. So there are, there are some different things at play that are still interesting, of course. But I feel like. As our we we are in this this content business, and we should maybe add a little fire, a little spice, so a little heat, I, little heat, little, little Texas Pete, no free ads. Um, <laughs> we skipped we skipped talking about spring football games to do our office pod, and you're welcome again. We get, I'm not gonna apologize yeah. for it. Whatever, yeah, apology rescinded. Let's do one fire take from this past weekend's spring games, and then we'll we'll spin it forward and we'll talk about some stuff that's going on this week. You guys asked for this. I'm going to well. give you the most fire takes imaginable. Okay. South Carolina. Ryan Holinsky will not start a game this year. That's a 180 from what we talked yeah. about even like a week ago. And I know South Carolina fans saw that spring game and they're like, woo-wee. I am sipping that Ryan Holinsky, or as you call him, Ryan Trilsinki, the Kool-Aid. <laughs> People are sipping it, and I get it. I, I can't blame you. It, it's been a little bit disappointing to have Jake Bentley in there, um, but the reason that I say that he's not going to start a spring game or start the game, start a game in the regular season because of what he did in the spring game. Will Muschamp, as we know, has been fiercely loyal to Jake Bentley, and Oof, by the way, put it too. Fiercely. Yeah, yeah everything Will Muschamp does is fierce. Takarian Joyner is not changing positions. And he had a great quote about, asked about it after the spring game. Like, would you consider this? He's like, absolutely not. And let's remember a year ago when everybody was all excited about him as the quarterback of the future. And as of right now, he's probably going to be the number two guy in the depth chart, even though everybody sees the potential in yeah. Holinsky. And he, he really did. I mean, he, he looked the part. I think that we should invent this new thing called the Bentley line where you're just good enough to be a starting quarterback, a passable That's starting so quarterback. so rude. And you can do just enough things. And maybe you can have like the game, like you have that one random game like he did against Clemson, where you just go off. And it makes everybody excited. And you're like, hey, but remember Clemson? You know, he had that one game where... Yeah, but, yeah. okay. And that's, that's maybe the new line for starting quarterbacks. Anything below it... Sorry, you're relegated to the bench. Anything above it, you're probably good. People that get on Jake Bentley, and we're one of them. I call him I call him Jake Chrysler 300M all the time. But like, Jake let's Bentley. let's not kid ourselves here. 
it's not like he has like a boatload of talent surrounding him. And that offensive line last Did year. Did last year. No, he had he had two good skill position players. He had Debo Samuel and he had Brian Edwards. His offensive line was garbage. Fair fair enough. He also had Hayden Hurst two years ago. Mustn't forget about that. Sure. Top tight end drafted. Sure. Um okay, that's fine. I, I, I just will say that I think Bentley like I, I put this up on, on social media on Sunday and it was like, man, can't believe this is Jake Bentley's 17th and, and final spring game at the, at the University of South Carolina. And I wanted to put the caption. I didn't because I would have gotten in trouble. But I want to put the caption. It's like, time flies when you're 7-5 and five every year. That's, oh. I mean, and I'm not trying to like make a dig at South Carolina because I like South Carolina. My sister goes there, is what I've said before. But at the same time, like, let's be realistic with our expectations here. What do y'all think was going to happen? Like, I mean, like, what is he supposed to do? Not every quarterback is, like, going to transform your your team and program into like take it to the next level just with with like on their own and I, you know i think he's adequate i'll give you a fire take ryan holinsky is in the transfer portal next year you ask for fire takes i'll give you fire Ooh. takes and will muschamp's co- coaching ucla basketball you heard it here first pretty sure they hired somebody right now yeah mccroney got the yes. job but that's all right okay well only part of those things uh, no i i will say my fire take will be that dakiri and joiner will be in the transfer portal by the end of the year I'm interested to see what happens with guys like Joyner and Joey Gatewood. Yeah. Two guys that at this time of year ago, that's what all the buzz was about. These incoming early enrollee, these dual threat quarterbacks who have all the potential in the world. And they, have the, they look like the quarterbacks of the future from a recruiting standpoint. And then they show up and then they've both had guys come come in after them who now are being billed the same way that they were. Right. That they were rated rated even higher. So yeah, I think uh, I think that storyline is not going anywhere in Columbia. LSU. Let's say one thing real quick. I want to give a shout out to South Carolina. The Parker White um, being on scholarship thing was pretty cool. The kicker, yeah, that was that's that stuff always. They should have made it a, a little bit quicker because if he didn't realize what was coming, it was. I mean, he's an idiot, but like, that was it was like like the build up to it was like way too long, like the hype video, but it was awesome. It was pretty cool. Can you believe that Jim McElwain, not about that life? That story from from our good buddy Luke Still Del Rio. Worse, yeah. Oh, That's, we miss oh, Luke. Gosh, I miss Luke. We got to get him on sometime soon. He's doing the coaching thing out there. He's kind of. I, I I thought about reaching out to him the other day, a little peel behind the onion, but I was like, you know what? He's mo- he's, he's in a new place. He's in a new state again. You know, I, he's, yeah, he's in a totally different. <laughs> he different only place. he only talks to me when he wants to see Queso, and it's pretty pretty upsetting, Luke. We'll get we'll get Luke back on very soon. I have no doubt about that. LSU. Oh. This was pretty obvious. This was kind of an overwhelming. This isn't that fire of a take, but you know what? I'm just going to go there because I like what I've seen. I like what I've heard. Derek Stingley, the five-star freshman cornerback, is going to be a second-team All-SEC player as a true freshman. You heard it here first. Yeah, I that was going to be my take. That's why if you look in the, the pod notes, I didn't leave anything on this one because that's <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. It wasn't because of laziness this time. It was like that's, that's literally – that, that's what I would say. I, like, that kid, I remember we were talking about recruiting, and I, I had, like, gone through the recruiting stuff a bunch and seen, like, like the top players and looked at, like, you know, there's all these guys who are still left. And we talked even about LSU, like, they're still waiting on this guy and this guy. I kept, kept, kept on just glancing right past Derek Stingley because it was like, oh, yeah, like, Hayes in the barn. He's a, you know, five-star recruit, number three overall. Yeah, Baton Rouge native. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Like, he's he is going to LSU. Like, I don't need to know anything else. And then when I finally did like a, like a deep dive into like looking at his like film and seeing like more about him, I didn't even think I made it to the film before I, my jaw dropped and I was like, hold on, wait, this kid runs a legit four three flat and has a forty three inch vertical like that. 
those kind of measurables, especially nowadays where it's not like, you're like, oh, it's hand time because it's high school and stupid. Like, they actually have, like, a legit way to, to have these measurables with, like, recruiting cycles. That is ridiculous. He's going to step in and, and already be SEC ready physically. And he's also going to be one of the better athletes in the conference as an 18-year-old freshman. And that's stupid. That's amazing. And the play that he made on, on Terrace Marshall, who's a 6'4 sophomore receiver, was ridiculous. And I, I I tweeted out the video and I some people say, oh, Burrow overthrew that and the receiver wasn't physical God, enough. Jesus. I don't think Did people, people really realize... That? Yeah, oh, of course they did. I don't think people realize how difficult it is to to be in single coverage downfield and to have a jump ball scenario where you turn your shoulders yeah, as a cornerback. You do it, how many guys do we see? How many guys do we see as a cornerback who just throw their hands up and are just locked in on the receiver's eyes and they never get their, their body turned to the ball? Or if they do, it ends up slowing them down and they can't make a play. Not only so does he lost. go up there and make the play, but he wrestles it away. And it's like, oh my gosh. And you could hear the, what Marcus Spears said afterwards on the broadcast yeah. was... Uh, that, that's going to stay with me for a little bit. He said that he was talking to Corey Raymond, who's the LSU DB's coach. He was talking to him at, at LSU's Pro Day, and Raymond told him that Stingley would be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft <laughs> right now if he could leave. And maybe some of that's hyperbole. You hear what Saban said about, about that afterwards? But as he, okay, but that, that just speaks to the point of this guy is. He is SEC ready, which you don't see no. from a cornerback standpoint that often, where he is physically already on that level. And I think that Saturday really kind of shed some light on, whoa, like Joe Burrow's been talking about this guy a lot in spring camp yeah, and how everyone good he has. is. And everybody's like, okay, we, we get it now. Yeah, it's what it reminds me of, too. And, and the thing is, you're right, and I think you're also a little bit wrong when you talk about how, like, cornerbacks, it's hard, you don't usually see them, like, physically ready to step in right away. You're right in the sense that, like, well, you know, let's just say you're right. You're you're right about that. They're not physically ready most of the time. Because usually they weigh like what? Like they're six one. Rarely do you see one over 185 pounds, a true freshman, I feel like. What I will say about this is you also see at that position specifically, and maybe offensive tackle, you see them you see true freshmen step in there right away, especially if they're five stars. Like they'll step into a starting role right away. True. It does like not like Patrick Go ahead. Even a guy like Patrick Sertan last right. year, though, where in the, in the Oklahoma game, he just got picked on. Yeah. I don't think Were you that, bringing that Stingley... up? I'm very upset about it. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Uh, I don't think Stingley is going to be a guy that – because let's let's remember, he's going to be starting opposite side Christian Fulton, yeah. who's one of the best quarterbacks, cornerbacks in the league. And, oh, by the way, you've got Grant Delpit over the top. Yeah. So that's secondary. There, there's like – you're not really going to be like, oh, let's put Derek Stingley on an island. This is, this is the guy that we need to attack. The ball hawking skills are already – there and to me this is just a guy who's going to explode in that defense he's going to be a lot of fun to watch for a few years as long as he's at i'm wrong about what i said like you're right about the physical being physically ready because he he definitely is like he so he will be one of those it reminds me of like the julio hype that we heard like in 2008 when it was like like that stupid video where he caught something like he like randy moss somebody in like a scrimmage or something like that and then like that video gets out it's like we're getting to see that in real time, but he's also an early enrollee. And and you're right, like that's secondary, good God, they have a chance to be really good. Also, on a side note, before we move on to Ole Miss, I just want to say, if you're one of the people that got clapped back at Connor about Joe Burrow not making a good throw, <laughs> I love the I love this job, but why is the internet the worst place in the world? Oh, people are so upset about stuff. You you go do it, Daryl. That's a hell of a play. <laughs> move on. <laughs> Stingley, by the way, highest rated cornerback recruit since. Iman Marshall. Joe Montana. In 2015. Joe Montana was quarterback, you idiot. <laughs> you crazy a-hole. All right, Ole Miss. I don't like your Ole take Miss. on this at all. 
my fire take on Ole Miss. I can't. I can't even believe I'm saying this. Maybe. Maybe spring just has me feeling good. You know, nice weather's in the air. It's like 88 in Florida today. I'm feeling good. Is it really? Yeah, it's pretty hot here. My fire take: the Rebels are going to finish Earth Land Sharks, whatever you want to call them. They are going to finish in the top half of FBS in run defense. So that means they're going to have like a top 60, top 65 run defense. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, oh, it's a pretty lukewarm take. No, it's not. Because I'm going to go back here and I'm going to I'm going to list the rankings of the last three years of Ole Miss's run defense. In 2018, they were ranked 116th. In 2017, they were 124th. In 2016, they were 120th. This run defense is horrible. But what we've seen from Mike McIntyre already, what we've heard already, they've got eight returning starters. They're really experienced on on the defensive line, and they they have not had the depth in years past that they do this year. I think they actually have a decent chance of being average. Yeah. So when I first read this, I was like, I literally, I was like, Connor's an idiot, like to myself. I said to Queso, he agreed. Um, Because I, I I I'm sorry, dude. I read it as like top fifty. I don't know why I thought that. That's that's still a jump, man, to say they're going to be in the top 65 in the country. And 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 I hate to say this and this is going to people are going to not be happy with me saying it. But when you say they're almost like almost as rush defense finished 116, 124 and 120, you know a lot of times people say like, well the score was closer than it appeared or like I think the opposite. I feel like the the run defense looked even worse than that number. Yeah. It's been that bad. Um I'm not gonna make. I'm not gonna weigh in on their defense because that that seems like a crazy thing to do because the defense. I'll, I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll throw this in there real quick. And, and part of this is Mike McIntyre. Even last year when Colorado was bad, they were still number 44 in the country in run defense. They only allowed 12 rushing touchdowns. I'm not gonna say that's immediately going to be that exact result, but I think that and what we've seen from what the coaching staff has said is a lot of the time, just coaches would say like. You watch them on film, and they're just always out of position. They were. Oh, it wasn't the physical ability that wasn't there. These guys were just poorly coached. Poorly that's not a shot coached. at Wesley McGriff. That that's just if, if guys are out of position, it's really tough to make plays. I mean, it's a basic. Well, and you concept, look at the but, combine, like, and this is totally different than the run defense. If you look at the secondary. You have guys like Zedrick Woods and whoever the other kid was that are running like sub four three forties and putting up like really good measurables. I'm not saying that necessarily always translate translates to being like a skilled defensive back but like jesus man like you you've got something to work with that's for sure um yeah mike mcintyre as somebody that lost um a decent amount of money on colorado last season uh betting wise i i will say the one good thing is i had to watch like three of their games they were better on defense than people give them credit for and this is also a guy that we talked about this too this is going to be a totally different team because of the fact that you've got rich rod and mike mcintyre two guys that are pretty well-traveled and and experienced head coaches that are now going to be working under um why can't i think of his name meatloaf you're thinking of matt luke Matt Luke. they look like just that. like um yeah they do but like no regardless i i don't want to weigh in on that what i'm going to say is this that offense is not going to be as high powered as last year but because they lose so much but matt corral is going to be so much fun um to watch i will say i think he's going to have double digit interceptions I'm not going to call you out. Did I mess his name up? But do we do we want to? Th- no, 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 no. Okay. You got, you got <laughs> do we want to? Do we want to put a number with that? Because I feel like ten interceptions. One a game. I've... He'll have one a game, and I will say, I'll say he'll have over, let's say fourteen. 
14. All right, that, that's that's more of a fire tick. Because getting to 10, I feel like, you know, even Deshaun Watson threw like 14 picks. As, he threw as, 15 as junior. and still made it. 15, yeah, right? he threw one a game and still made it as a finalist. And they were bitching about how he should have won the Heisman. Um, yeah, I'll write it down in one of my 87 notebooks I have around this desk right now. But I, I, I'll, I'll lose it. So you you write it down. Put it in your digital doc. <laughs> let's let's go to Arkansas. Um, a guy that made, made some headlines this weekend and Told was you. a breath of fresh air for Arkansas fans. Trey Knox. My fire take is that Trey Knox is going to have twice as many catches as anyone on that roster. Now, I realize that includes C.J. O'Grady, and he's, uh, I want to say he's a head case, but he's a guy that's a little <laughs> little bit fiery and kind of getting his own way. Um, C.J. O'Grady? It's a great, great Irish name. Um, he is uh, somebody that, that could come close to this, and the, the potential is there, but I think that Trey Knox has the ability to be an immediate impact guy. It if it's Starkle, if it's Hicks, whoever is starting, I think he is going to become the number one target immediately. And we saw the the move that he made in space. And I don't know if it was an indictment of the poor tackling from Arkansas, but the move that he made to score that the 45-yard touchdown the other day in the spring game was pretty impressive for a guy who's 6'5", 220, yeah. and is an early enrollee. I think Tennessee fans might be looking at that one like, ah, that's that's the tough one to, to let get out of our His state. name's Knox, man. I know, Knoxville. Right? I mean, am I the only one making that correlation? Matt correlation? I've had too much green tea, Connor. I'll say that. Um, also, side note, CJ O'Grady sounds like a, just a terrible, terrible Irish pub that would be next to like Whoa. an auto zone in a small town. Whoa. So I'm just saying. Okay. Um, okay. As, as a guy who has a name that is really it. similar to That's probably to why mine. you picked My... it out, Connor. Shout out CJ O'Grady. We're Irish brothers at heart. That's fair. Um, okay, so here's the thing. Trey Knox, I brought this up during the recruiting podcast earlier um, this season. I think uh, Trey Knox, he's their highest-rate recruit. I think he was like 228 overall. But his size alone, that is an NFL, that, NFL well. That is a that is a SEC-ready body, at least. Um, so I'm not going to disagree with you. I will say they also have several other four-star receivers I think they're going to really push for playing time in that offense. And we've seen Chad Morse's offenses before. I think Arkansas will be a top-three passing offense in the SEC this Whoa. year. Dang. So they're essentially going to take, like, Ole Miss's place then? Yeah, ex- exactly. Okay. Yeah. okay. I didn't say they're going to yeah. be good behind C.J. O'Grady's. I got food poisoned for C.J. O'Grady's one time in Shreveport. Whole other thing we can't talk about right now. You're getting beef O'Brady's and C.J. O'Grady mixed up. That's You're all right. right. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Um, wow, that's, that, that, that is bold. I, I, Hudson, Hudson Henry, who is, the of course, the little brother of Hunter Henry. How many are there? There's, there's a lot. Doyle rules. Um, speaking of great Irish names, um, no, I, I, I don't think that they'll get there this year. But I like that. I like that you're going there. I like that you're going there because I think that there's a lot of potential. There's going to be a lot of situations where they're going to be throwing the ball. Let's yeah. be honest. Arkansas is not going to all of a sudden be this team that's up every single game. They could be throwing the ball a ton. And if it's Nick Starkle back there, I have even more confidence that they could get closer to that upper echelon of SEC passing offenses. So. I'll get on board with that. I'm going to think of let's a look. nickname for Nick Starkle on the next episode, but let's keep going. It's got to be something Beaver-related, right? No, I think it's got to be something with Hark. Stark the Herald Angels sing, brother. Ooh. Too long. All right, yeah. Too long. Here. We have uh, He's he's actually not going to be there until the summer, too. So we've got a little bit of time right, to, to workshop yeah. that, but we'll think of that. One thing that we want to see from the spring games this weekend. Oh. By the way, eight spring games. Count them. Eight, Kentucky plays on Friday. We've got Florida, Bama, AM, MSU, Auburn, Tennessee, and Mizzou are all Sounds this like weekend. Georgia's the only one playing on 420. Shocking. 
So, wow. Sorry, I had to, you just I had to, you, you wrote that down. You had that written down. I did not. Be honest. Okay. The thing that I want to see, we've talked about Auburn a lot, but I want to see Joey Gatewood look like a starting SEC quarterback. I have been hearing buzz nonstop for the last year, ever since he basically laid an egg in the spring game about, oh, man, Joey Gatewood has improved so much. You, wait wait until you see the strides that he's making. He's kind of been like, you know, he redshirted last year, and he's kind of just been behind the curtain. So mm-hmm. unless you're seeing this team on an everyday basis, you're not really getting the up-close look. But I am interested to see the strides that he makes because last year he was bad in this game. I mean, he just he could not throw the ball. It was ugly. And I think that... If he has made those strides as a passer, just to be able to make the intermediate throws and to be able to have the presence of mind to not want to tuck it and run all the time, I think that's going to really, really help him and move him to the forefront of maybe, you know, in, in a two-person battle for this job because I think that's what Gus Malzahn wants to have happen out of the spring. I want to see a double dribble called an Auburn spring game. Wow. I'm just kidding. I want to see – I don't care about, uh, about Gatewood as much. I know we've talked about him. I am strictly watching that game to see Bo Nix and to see if he is mm-hmm. remotely close. And I, I'm not trying to say it in a condescending way at all because I think that kid's going to be good. I want to see just how ready and how much of an impact he could possibly make this fall. Like, I, I want to think- see if he looks lost. Uh, I'm sure they're not going to have, like, exotic blitz packages out and stuff like that, and it'll be kind of like a vanilla um, defense for him to be facing. But I want to see what his accuracy looks like, his decision-making, all that kind of stuff, and if he looks like he can... He can be in command because you're not. He's not going to go out there. I don't think as a freshman, an early enrollee, and just light up the world necessarily. I think it gets a pretty good Auburn defense, but I really want to see if it looks like he's going to be able to take those steps through the the rest of summer and then into fall camp. And you want to see this because you said that he is going to be the starting quarterback for Auburn on opening day. So shoot, I don't remember saying that. We gotta start writing down everything I say. Um, no, no, I, I do. I do remember saying that, and I, and I still stand by it. So don't let me down, Bo. <laughs> Kid Gatewood nicks the talk about Bo. Yes, Bo knows Bo. how to play quarterback. Yes. God dang it, Chris! What's your money in this bank? What do you want to see from Kentucky? <laughs> um. So I don't. I don't necessarily want to go through every single team. Oh, I mean, we could. We could get into. We could get into Kentucky. I, I just want to see Mark Stoops be Mark Stoops. Yeah, that's that's all I want. I like ever that. want to see from Kentucky. I do. I do want to uh, see if our good friend neighbor Terry Wilson has progressed a little bit. Yeah, because now there's this talk about Gunnar Hoke, and you know he's going to be entering the transfer portal. You know, Fine. because Terry Wilson is still the guy. But I, I'll be interested to see kind of what what shakes out with that. The the other thing that that I want to see this is I, I considered this a, a bonus thing that I wanted to see this weekend. Like I said, we're not going to go through all eighty all eight teams that are playing. We're going to have reactions next week on this. But um, the thing that I, I want to see is which rival Dan Mullen is going to troll <laughs> with the attendance number because as we found out from Dan Mullen, he admits that he has tweaked the numbers with spring game attendance in the past, and he'll throw a little, you know, a little subtle jab in there. He said, you know, maybe he'll throw out, like, oh, there were 41,140 fans at the game, and that's, of course, referring to Florida beating Florida State 41-14 to last year. So, God, he is a what? smug, smug person. I had no idea. Dan Mullen, when he's feeling himself, I don't know if we've seen him oozing this much confidence. We have. Remember, and only once, though. And it was when somebody asked him about Nick Fitzgerald, and he had that cigar in his mouth, and he was like, "Where did you? Where did you? Uh, Who did you have to recruit against him? Oh, him, UT Chattanooga." Um, and as we found out, it was actually wasn't just UT Chattanooga. People pointed that out to me on social media, and I got flack for that. But that, that's a different discussion for a different. Time. That is true. Okay, so I'm I'm going to say since I didn't know we weren't going through all eight, 
Um, I thought we were doing heavy spring football today. I thought <laughs> to give the give the people what they want. I will say I want to see from Alabama. I want to see a sellout crowd. I want to see the students stay for all four quarters. Um, no, not at all. I, you already know what I want to see. I want to see Tua take a hit and get up. Is that going to be live? I don't care. I want to, If I have to come out of the stands and do it, I want to see Tua take a hit and stand up and play the next snap. And not. I want to see him play a full game where he, or full however long until he doesn't have to go into the damn medical tent. And I want to see this freshman kicker, Will, what's his, Reichard or whatever, from Hoover. And I want to see if, can we just make... I'm not even going to set the bar that high. Can they make every extra point? That's it. I'm excited to see that, too. I'm sure that Saban will definitely not call out the kickers at all if they can't make a kick. Do you remember last year when... It was the first one of the game. That's not what I was going to go to, but I like that you went there. That's obviously still on your mind. Uh, The Jalen Hurts lack of progression from a passing standpoint and the Saban being mic'd up. Oh, yeah, that Caught was him bad. basically saying, oh, that was bad. Yeah. I don't think Saban's going to have a moment like that again. Um, I'd be surprised no. if he did. I'm but. sure he'll just be on his phone tweeting back at Ronnie Harrison the whole time anyway, so it shouldn't even matter. <laughs> I, I tell you what, one one more thing I do want to see from Tennessee and Mizzou. I, I'm interested to see the quarterbacks in that one because I want to see how Kelly Bryant looks. It's been almost a year since he's played, mm-hmm. and I want to see – I mean, it really has. I guess it's been like eight months, but – um, and I want to see I want to see what Jared Garantano looks like because I've made so many lofty predictions. And apparently, a Tennessee fan on Twitter today said that he was he wanted to run through a brick wall because what I said about Jared Garantano. What world are we living in, Connor? That I'm hyping up Tennessee fans like that? They haven't had a lot to get hyped up in their defense. I mean, you could really throw a lot out there. They, they had to deal with five years of Butch Jones trying to hype him up. Butch I Jones mean, is God, a man. Let's, let's move on to fourth and wrong. <laughs> let's move on to fourth and wrong. All right. Because we do have some from the other day, I believe, and then some from today as well, because we had a preemptive no, fourth and wrong where then... Oh, you took them down. Okay, my bad. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, there are no free ads, but this is fourth and wrong, brought to you by Curves Gym. This is where I've been getting in shape. Um, I'm just kidding, Connor. We don't have to do that. Uh, let's go... We have four questions, fourth and wrong. Four? Well, maybe that could be what we do from now on. Four questions for fourth and wrong. Okay. okay. Yeah, that's actually pretty. That would make the most sense, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, I guess so. Why haven't we figured that out? <laughs> I don't know. It's been over a year. Um, okay. So, first question from Jordan Winst the Twins on Instagram: When you were a child, what was better, Cartoon Network or Nickelodeon? See, we. I think. Don't bring up the age thing. I knew you were going to go there as soon as I brought it up. No, I, no. I, that's. I'm going to bring it up because I think it's relevant. Because I think you could have a different argument based on when when we grew up and when our when our heyday was. For me, Nickelodeon was was the jam. Um, Rugrats, Rocket Power. Um, what else? What I is Rugrats? That must be way after my time. Hey, Hey Arnold. Football. Dude, wait, you don't know Rugrats? It's a joke, Connor. You always bring up my age. Okay. Okay, uh, Doug. Yeah, back in the day. Doug, Doug and Rugrats were on back to back, seven o'clock. Man, those that that was a there was a solid like five years. You can go all that. Um, yes, it's figure all it out. That. Which was Saturday Night Live for kids, but yeah, it really makes that comparison. Um, yes, yeah, Nick. Uh, Are you afraid of the dark? Man, oh, Nickelodeon was awesome. Yeah, so it's crazy that we watched all the same shows since we're not that far apart in age, old man. <laughs> um, so. No, so Nickelodeon hands. I was never a big cartoon guy. I watched Rugrats. I watched Doug. Even when I was little, my mom thought I was crazy. So also, we didn't have cable until I was like eight. We we had four movies, and we had every single VHS of I Love Lucy ever. So I like I grew up like a like a homeschool kid until I was like eight. 
Um, Nickelodeon, though, hands down. It, it's it's Double Dare. That was my jam. Double Dare was great. All that was awesome. That that, that thing, Keenan and Kel. Keenan yeah, Thompson doing that stupid French dude in the bathtub is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And I, like to this day, like I don't even know why. He would just be like, and say something in French. He's like, I got cheese in my pants. I still think that's funny because I'm stupid. Um, so Nickelodeon is the winner, hands down. Repair Man, 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 Man. That was oh, yeah. Well. yeah. That's good stuff. That's good. Um, by the way, Cartoon Network, I think, got better later yeah, on. Once we but got older. The old, yeah, the only reason I watched it when I was a kid was Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Oh, I hate Everybody that. knows. You hated Scooby-Doo? I don't even I mean, I watched it, but it was just like, ugh. I don't know why. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I've never disagreed with you on something more than That's that. That's weird. Right we disagree about a lot. And that, for you to die on that hill is weird. <laughs> anyway, moving on. So the next question is from Jimmy James, 76. Um, what would you have tipped for $2,000 worth of pizza, more or less than mushroom? You want me to say this one for last? No, I, w- I want to throw this out okay. there because there's there's some misconceptions out there right Connor's now that must. I'm I'm not no, no no I'm not upset with you. I'm upset with everybody who's been like throwing shade at South Carolina. Yeah. This is such an easy easy thing to you know people gravitate to this stuff. And I know we had the story up on our site too, but the full story came out. Yeah. Obviously, you know if you don't if you didn't hear what happened, um, South Carolina had pizzas ordered from like the local Papa John's or something like that, like two thousand dollars worth of pizzas. And the tip that was given to the two delivery drivers that had to deliver all those pizzas was for $5. So everybody sees that and it's like, South Carolina is so cheap. What's that? So ridiculous. But really, and this, anybody that like could, anybody could that just take a step back and realize what happened here was, okay, obviously it wasn't somebody that worked with, that it wasn't Muschamp writing $5 on right. that for a delivery. Like he doesn't have to do that type of stuff. It was somebody that apparently worked in like the training staff and wrote down a $5 tip because like they had no idea what to do and they didn't realize that they had some sort of deal worked out beforehand and I think they had they had gratuity maybe added into it or something like that but the the pizza place came out and said yeah like it was a total misunderstanding like this wasn't like a you know South Carolina being cheap or anything like that but having said that I would probably tip ooh for Papa John's about 6 bucks I don't You're know the worst my, so, I bring this up too much, but everyone knows that I worked at a restaurant forever and all that kind of stuff. It's, this is, you're right. This is like, it's it's such low-hanging fruit. And, and I'm guilty of it because I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, Will must champ, Will must cheap. That's a good pun. I'm going to roll with it. And South Carolina fans came out in full force. They were not happy with that. Um, it was just a pun. It was just a joke. I, I obviously didn't think that Will Muschamp was the one responsible for it. Um, we've seen his house. I don't think that man is tipping five dollars. I think he's making it rain on people. That's fine. Good point. Um, yep. Now, what I will say is, like the five. What I mean, it, that's that's a weird thing. Like you definitely have something worked out. I don't think Will Muschamp would have like fed some kid to the lions of like, hey, yeah, and just tip whatever you want. Here's the company card. You know what I mean? Miscommunication. Yeah. So definitely, I, I would say like on a to go order. I think at least ten percent is is worthwhile. I just because I work the industry, I would say fifteen percent is usually what I would tip. So whatever the math is on that, what three hundred bucks? Three hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's like I mean, it's not your money first off, <laughs> like because um, you know it's it's for the university. I I don't think this this was definitely made a much bigger deal than it was. But you know, sometimes celebrities are cheap. Ursher, one of my least favorite people that ever used to come in there. Some people probably pointed out. Oh, you know, Dabo gives them free pizza for the watch parties. Yeah. Some people probably pointed to that, and obviously that's a totally different scenario that we're talking about here. And yeah, blown blown out of proportion because let's be honest, it's the first week of April. Yeah, stuff happens. Exactly. And you know what? It's I mean, Papa John's deserved it. That's a whole other topic we can get on 
Uh, <laughs> just kidding, guys. Um, anyway, I, I said that joke to Allie last night. I was like, should I say that? And she was like, absolutely not. So well, there's me not, still not a, listening to the right problematic. things. Still a little problematic. Sorry, babe. Anyway, third question. What SEC, This is a weird one. I want to throw this out there. What SEC coach would you most want to play Twister with? I threw it in there because it's from Andy Goins, and he is hilarious with almost every single question that he throws in there um, on Instagram. But what SEC coach would you want to play Twister with? In a platonic I need to way. Answer, I need to, to answer this and then be able to explain it immediately after because if I, if I just throw it I'm out there, some people off. are going to run with it. Exactly. <laughs> it, it, it's Coach O because not so much that the act of playing Twister with him would be fun, but anytime you ever meet somebody and you can do the two truths and a lie thing, one of them would always be, yeah, I played Twister with Coach O. And that's just a pretty cool thing to say. That's a good point. Mostly every answer I ever have on stuff like this, and like what would you want to do with an SC coach, involves Coach O. This one, it's probably Saban or um, or Chep. No, no, here's why, though. Because like I'm playing to win. I play for keeps, like Ricky Bobby. No, I, because think about how frustrated. Like, you know how I get when I'm trying to navigate through what a Google Doc is or anything involving technology? Think about Nick Saban being old and short and probably not that flexible anymore. You've seen his jump shot. Him, he's probably wearing something stupid like pleated khakis. Him trying to play Twister would be so funny to watch him get like super pissed. Like you remember Super Bad when Michael Sarah was like, well, I don't even, why do I even play the game? I'm just I'm gonna lose every time. I feel like that would be that would be saving the whole time. It's like so stupid. Like this game is ridiculous and like flips over. I don't know. It's not a board game, but you know what I'm saying. We got more. We got more sirens. It's almost time to go. Last and question. you could say, you could also say, hey, I beat Nick Saban in something. And then people would be like, oh, what'd you beat him in? I beat him in Twister. Yeah, that'd, that'd what? be What? What? Really? That'd be like one of those yeah. things, too. If I said it, people would probably believe it. Like, you creep. Of course you played Twister with Nick Saban. It's probably against his will. Not surprising. Um, yeah. Okay, fourth <laughs> fourth question. Um, I recently broke my ankle. What am I supposed to do for six weeks since I can't walk? This is from Jay Nesper Twitter. On Twitter, I'm sorry. Jay Nesper on Twitter. Jay, I I do appreciate. I don't know if it's if his first name is Jay or not, but we'll just call him Jay Nesper. Thank you for reaching out, and I am sorry that this is the podcast where I announce that we're going back to one podcast a week. So after yeah. you listen to <laughs> all of our podcasts, after you tell everybody that you know um, in person on the internet, wherever you can have access to human beings, to tell them to subscribe, review our our podcast. Um, I would say this is a good time to get some burner accounts. <laughs> and really just go all in with it and just decide, you know what? I'm going to be the worst person on the internet today, and I'm going to see how bad I can make people's lives. No, don't do Connor, that. that is an but... all-time answer out of you. That's fantastic. <laughs> you didn't think I was going there, I, I No, I did not. Get some burner accounts and ruin someone's life, kid. Um, no, don't do that. But really, uh, think, there are a lot of things you could do with your time in, in six weeks that are very productive, one of which books – I'm sick brag. I'm reading a book right now on all these like wild conspiracy theories dating back to the Kennedy assassination, like all the way up through Al Qaeda and all this stuff. And it's it's fascinating. Just that Kennedy was a part of Al Qaeda. I'm not saying he's not a part of Al Qaeda. Just throwing that out yeah, there. Um, read some different things, some stuff to get you outside of your comfort zone. There are puzzles. I'm a big puzzle guy. Um, I know, this, this is taking a weird turn. Why don't you take So here's the thing, Connor. There's a saying we used to have when I played baseball, and it was like when you are taking batting practice and you get like a line drive, and maybe it's like a, a pitch or two before the allotted amount of pitches you're supposed to have. And we'd always say, end on it. 
and that's what you should have done when you said that that burner Twitter account. Um, yeah, I know, but I don't want cyberbullying to be a thing. That's true. That know. is true. Um, that's literally what I deal with on a daily basis. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, my my answer to this would be: I was going to make a joke to this and be like, I could tell you, but I can't do it on air. And his profile picture has a shirt that says "Virginity Rocks." <laughs> so I was like, I'm not going to make that joke. It's it's still funny. Um, I would say this: Game of Thrones, bro. Game of you're Thrones. all in. I'm, right I'm now. not as much as I was. I watched like almost the first two seasons. Uh, this whole work thing has really gotten in the way of me trying to binge watch this stupid show. But no, Game of Thrones is actually pretty cool. I still love The Office. Um, but yeah, I don't know, get involved in a TV show. Do something less respectable than what Connor said about reading books. We have one more question. It was Ooh, just submitted. Fourth, uh, fifth and wrong. Yeah, it's by it's from C. Marler SDS, and the question is, what conspiracy theory do you actually believe? It's an interesting question. Peter Burns brought this up a lot on his show. I have a legitimate answer. I, I kind of want to know who you who you think killed JFK. The more I, I've read about this, I'm not saying I'm 100% sure like what organization is behind it, but I do think that, that there was some sort of cover-up and that there was some sort of motivations to have more people involved in this than just a lone gunman and a, a psycho carrying out this deed. Um, I tend to think that there was... Some sort of FBI cover-up. If you if you read into some of the stuff about the people who were witnesses that day, who had people very close to them that were murdered yep. all of a sudden, like there are there are a lot of things like this that make no sense whatsoever. I remember reading back in sixth grade, there was a reporter I think for the Dallas Morning News who who said like I have you know something that's going to break this case wide open. She tells her editor about it. She's dead two days later. Right. Like there's a lot of stuff like this that. I'm not. I'm not saying you know specifically what it adds up to, but it's way too like it's 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 not a coincidence that I think some of this stuff happened, and I would not be surprised if you know. And if you consider like what was covered up, you know, some of the reports and stuff, and what was made available to the public, JFK's brain. We don't know where that is. Why don't we know where JFK's brain? Why is, is? it not open that, to the public? Why was none of the Why were none of the actual documents made available to see the public even even years and years later? Yeah, I, I have no idea. Have so that, that's JFK the one that I bought into more. It's like Oliver Stone, so it's like a little bit out there, and it's probably not as real. I, I got like really big into that in college, and I was like, you guys have no idea, dude. This, I mean, the war industry, like it's an $832 billion a year industry. There's no way we didn't do it for so we could go enter Vietnam. And I was also like 20, so I didn't really know, know what I was talking about. But it's a very interesting case. I will tell you straight up, and I'm not going to elaborate on it like you did. I'm just going to say it and leave, <laughs> is there's no blanking way we landed on the moon. Go ahead. It might mean too much. You're- it might mean too much. <laughs> I fully, I 100% believe that. End on it. You take it away, Connor. All right. Sam Rule tweeted the other day. This is, sorry, Auburn, we almost made it through. Actually, you know what? Marley had a couple little jabs in there. I, I in killed this episode it. about the yeah. loss. Um, Sam Rule tweeted this out. Said, Auburn fans still drinking whiskey in our hotel lobby at 9 a.m. in Minneapolis, mumbling double dribble is all you need to know about SEC sports fans. Hashtag it might mean too much. I that's I've yep. never been more proud, and I'm not even kidding. That's yeah. What else are you supposed to do? I don't know what you do at that point. The the fact that you're still at 9 a.m. drinking whiskey tells me a variety of things. It tells me one, you didn't sleep at all because there's no way you wake up and just decide, yeah. It's, it's time for whiskey already. You're still rallying through that and trying to, to forget the pain and you just haven't been able to sleep for tears, drunk, drunkenness, whatever it is. But the fact that you're in the hotel lobby doing this 
is just, you know, th there's a reason that stereotypes exist, and <laughs> it's not even a stereotype. It's just, the it's fact just that facts. Happened, it's awesome. I'm, it's I'm proud of them. I mean, like, I've, I, yeah. What else are you supposed to do at that point? Also, my main concern out of this is, as someone that worked at a hotel bar last year, um, those usually close at 2 a.m. So, where did you get the whiskey? You could buy whiskey anywhere. Just have a bottle. That's Saturday night after 2 a.m.? Uh, yeah, I mean, you buy it beforehand. You maybe, you know, you bring, you know how these things work. People buy alcohol before they go into a hotel. They bring it with Last them. Last time then, I ever you know, defend you ever again. And, and then it's 9 a.m. on Sunday morning and you're still drinking whiskey. Whatever, it just happens. We have Facebook Live on Monday nights at 8.30 p.m. Yeah. We're sticking with that, right? Yeah, and what I've been doing now is I do it every, every Monday at 8.30 and then what I'll do is I'll make an extremely hot take as the title. So it gets more views. Don't, don't tell anybody. It's still pretty good. It's fun. That's like the oldest <laughs> trick on the YouTuber. Everybody does that now. Um, make sure that you are following us on all forms of our social media at ESDS Pod, at C Marler SDS, at CJ O'Gara. Follow us on Instagram at Saturday Down South. Make sure that you are reading all of our great spring football content. We're wrapping some stuff up with SEC basketball as well. We've got a lot of great stories going up. And yes, we're down to one pot a week for the next couple months or so. But I promise we're doing some cool different things. We're going to have some, some interesting things planned for June, I believe. Some stuff that we'll get into a little bit later. And this is the first... Yeah, I know. You're finding out about this too. But, uh, <laughs> I love it. It's fun because I love getting that, that exact reaction. We... Um, I think the, the tentative plan is to... We're going to try and do interviews every single week. I know we didn't have one this week, but we had a lot of stuff to talk to. So it was kind of nice to just get into some spring football stuff. We're going to be watching spring football all weekend. So, um, yeah, I know that you guys will be too. Yeah, by the way, that's, that's kind of part of the course. <laughs> <laughs> I would tell you something. Now. It might mean too much. Hey, ain't no way. Fire take. Upon no Walk off. Talk to you next week.